Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor. Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is March the 17th, 2016, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. I told Michael I wanted to do a brief introduction here, wishing everybody a Saint, uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. And just said that I had a little knowledge of it. I looked it up to see exactly when it started and all that good stuff and was totally surprised by something. St. Patrick's Day is a religious holiday. It looks at uh, the, saint, the patron saint of Ireland, who was St. Patrick, and it commemorates that Christianity was brought to Ireland. However, something that's very interesting, there is another celebration that's going on right now. It started on Ash Wednesday, and it goes until Easter Sunday, and it's called Lent. And for the day of St. Patrick's Day, the Lenten restrictions on fasting and drinking alcohol is lifted for the day. And thus, it propagates and encourages the extreme drinking that seems to happen on this day, especially the Irish whiskey and the beer and the cider, what they call drowning the shamrock or wetting the shamrock. And so I thought that was uh, a little bit ironic that it was two Christian days, supposedly, and that Lent is lifted for the one day so people can drink on St. Patrick's Day. So I thought that was very strange. So I hope you all are celebrating the day soberly and aware and with your senses. And we do hope that you have an awesome day. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. Of course, when you uh, when you talk about that, you remind me of why God created alcohol. You you do know why God created alcohol, don't you? It was so that the Irish I've would not rule the this. world. <laughs> it was so the Irish would not rule the world, and uh, it's worked. You know, it's it's worked pretty effectively. I've actually had people go into rage at me for telling that little joke, uh, and, and and thinking that their rage was something useful and justified to them for them to use and uh, it's interesting how the mind can justify whatever it chooses to do you know I'm always looking for new ways to get people to understand this game of perception and that perception is a construct of the mind 
And as I was contemplating opening the show today, I kind of had an example come to mind or a, a metaphor for that whole idea that hopefully will drive the point home on another level. You know, if you hand a three-year-old an Etch-a-Sketch and you sit them in front of the Mona Lisa, they're going to produce a representation of the Mona Lisa. That representation is exactly the same as perception. It is a representation. The world has told us that when we look out through our body's eyes that we can actually see something outside of us and that what we see outside of us is what's actually out there. Well, the three-year-old's drawing of the Mona Lisa is no more the Mona Lisa than fly in the air. Very, very inferior perception of the Mona Lisa. In exactly the same way, a mind based in hostility and fear produces etch-a-sketch drawings, produces pictures on the inside of the eyeballs that it actually thinks are out there, that it actually thinks. A person looking at a picture on the inside of their eyeballs actually thinks they're looking out through their eyes. You can't see out through your eyes. Your eyes are one-way receivers of information. Frequencies come in, you don't see out. Based on the frequencies that come in, brain cells fire. If brain cells keyed to love fire, then you're going to have a pretty accurate representation of whatever it is your eyes are pointed toward. You are not going to see what your eyes are pointed toward, but you're going to see a, a, a relatively accurate representation. Point your eyes towards something and see them when hostility or fear is active in you, and you're looking at the equivalent of a three-year-old's etch-a-sketch drawing. That's why people can do things like take this newborn child six months later and beat it with a belt. Take this cherished child that grows and, as we heard yesterday, sexually abuse it. Look in the mirror and see something so gross and so unlovable that one can commit suicide. These are all representations of content in the mind. People can look at pictures in their minds of someone they've been taught are the cause of their pain and their turmoil and their problems. And they will see such hateful constructs that they're willing to go and make war and kill. And yet, what they're looking at is all a reflection of the deficiencies that lie within and get projected outward. So, so just, just to, to really drive home the point, you know, we've, we've quoted several times since we found that piece of information, although this is something we've been teaching for decades. Recently found a piece of information on the CIA website where they've spent who knows how many millions studying perception. And the CIA's conclusion in writing on their website in a published book that the CIA publishes, 
on its website. You can go take a look at it. And it says, we think we are passive receivers of perception. And yet perception is an active process. The mind, it says, cord reality, it constructs it. We invite you to consider that you have never seen anything outside of you through your body's eyes. You see pictures painted on the inside of your eyeballs. Some of them are relatively accurate about your object of attention. Has anybody ever had anyone uh, accuse them of saying something they absolutely never said or doing something they absolutely never did? Everybody puts their hand up in an audience when I ask that question. In order to create a construct that was such a pure representation of you that they put words in your mouth that you never said, what state of mind was that person in? Were they in this sweet, loving, awesome, pure space of being? No, because a mind connected to that could never create that inaccurate and etch-a-sketch drawing as to accuse you of saying something you never actually said. Couldn't happen. I guarantee the person who put words in your mouth and behaviors into their brain's image of you that you absolutely never did, never intended, never conceived of, never could have fathomed Anyone would think you'd have ever done that. They were always in hostility or fear. You don't need to know anything else about your mind's perceptual output or what happened in the world except that if hostility or fear accompany your perception, you're looking at a three-year-old's etch-a-sketch drawing of the Mona Lisa. You're looking at such a poor representation that you could hardly even make out what the original actually was. There was a genius 2,000 years ago who gave us what I consider to be one of the biggest keys to living a true human life. You wouldn't know it from the way the Greeks translated it, But the Greek translation that most people are familiar with goes like this. The eye is the lamp of the soul. If the light for you is darkness, how deep will your darkness become? In Aramaic, were we to translate that more directly from the first century, what Yeshua was saying is, your perception, the construct of your mind is meant to be a guide through this unknown, unfathomable creation beyond anything you have ever conceived of or been able to even scratch the surface of comprehending. If hostility or fear, which in Aramaic are darkness, for you is the guide or the light that you follow, and that's where the idea from the Greeks was if the, if the light for you is darkness, which, of course, doesn't make any sense. But when you realize that when what he's saying is if the perception you follow, if the guide, if the construct you follow is based in hostility or fear, then what kind of crazy things will you do to destroy yourself? How deep will your darkness become? And 
one of the first orders of business with this whole body of work is that if hostility or fear are active in you, your mind is lying to you. It is showing you pictures made out of something moving inside of you, but making paintings on the inside of your eyeballs that make it appear that what's going on inside of you looks like it belongs to somebody outside of you. When we can grow up enough and become adult enough to recognize that, then all perception based in hostility or fear is forgivable. No, that doesn't mean that if somebody accused me of saying something I didn't say or doing something I didn't do out of their hostility or fear that I let them off the hook. When I say it's forgivable, I mean that if you have the tools, you can go inside of your mind and remove the root of the aberrant perception that so distorts the world that you can't even conceive of what's going on out there. Yeshua gave the key to keeping this perceptual system on track. He said, this is the first law of human existence. This has got nothing to do with theology, folks. This is how to remain a sane human being in an insane world. And he says, here's how you do it. You recognize that if you have your perception trained on one of two objects of attention, the creator or neighbor, and neighbor means anybody that you think about, then you make sure you have Rachma active in your mind. A concept for which there is no word in English, in Latin, in Greek. Rachma is a filter in the frontal lobes of your brain that when active, keeps your mind plugged into love. It brings human life, love, into your form when otherwise you would lose awareness of the presence of love in you and it creates constructs that are as accurate as possible for a human mind to have. Now, if you have the most accurate perception possible about an object of attention, you still don't have the object of attention. All you have is an accurate representation of it. If you do your work and you develop your higher faculties, then what will happen when you have that accurate representation of what's actually out there in the world is you have other faculties, spiritual faculties. They were called the five smooth stones of David with which you can, with which you can actually see and experience what's actually going on out there. You do have faculties with which to do that. Your mind isn't one of them, isn't capable of it. And so recognizing that perception is the light or the guide for your earthly life, if hostility or fear, darkness for you is the guide you follow, then what kind of crazy behaviors have you done with which to destroy yourself and to get your perception back on track, you restore your mind to love. First order of business. 
Next order of business is you begin removing the aberrant energies based in hostility or fear that distort your perceptual system. And in a nutshell, that we could call the extended elevator speech for this work. From there, you must then learn forgiveness. Now, most people say, well, Michael, you know what? That sounds really interesting. I've got five bucks and five minutes. Tell me everything you know. And the person who would say such a thing or, well, I, I, I'm going to get my work done this weekend, right? Oh, I'm going to come to that nine-day intensive and then I'll be finished, right? Oh, I'm going to come and spend a summer at Heartland and do that whole 65-day intensive. Then I'll be finished with my work, right? No. You will actually have just scratched the surface. Take a look at your generations and what they've believed. I mean, your generations and my generations in the last 75 years have murdered 175 million people on planet Earth. How insane does perception have to be for human beings collectively to take the lives of 175 million other human beings? The song comes to mind very often as I'm doing this work. How long has this been going on? Generations and generations and generations it's been going on. Do you suppose you're going to overcome all those generational patterns? In a day, a week, a month, a year, five, ten, twenty? No, not going to happen. Actually, you go back and you hear another approach to telling this story in the Old Testament. And you hear about this group of people who are in captivity to insane perception. It was called Egypt. And they escape. It's actually kind of interesting if you watch the movie, The Ten Commandments, you know, the, the Jews are on the one side of the river, and, and Moses is like, man, we got to do something here. Here comes Pharaoh. That is all the hostility and fear that grabs people by the face. He's like, we're trapped. And he reaches out, and the waters part. And everybody goes, yay, Moses, you're so cool, man. Let's get out of here. And they escape. Five minutes later, after the waters close back up and drown Pharaoh's men, the whiners start whining again and complaining to Moses about, look what you've done to us. And then, 40 years of wandering. Now, lest you get lost in that story and think it's about a, a hot, sandy place, how does a bright group of people like these Jews get lost in a 30-square-mile area for 40 years? It's not about a hot, sandy place. They're telling you the time it's going to take to get out of the unconsciousness of errant perception. Do the generational work. And remember the solution when they talked about how they got out of the desert? What happened? 
If you read that story, they said the old generation had to die off. That didn't mean everybody in old physical bodies had to physically die. Generation, the word, the root of the word generation is genari, it means cause. The causes in your genes, in your mind, in your emotions, in your generations, based in hostility and fear, that have you looking at a three-year-old etch-a-sketch drawing painted on the inside of your eyeballs, and have you believe you're actually looking at your neighbor, is going to take that kind of time to work through and to move through, to wake up to the truth of who you are, who these other awesome creatures are that are around you called human to begin to create perception based in love that's really true and accurate about you and those around you. And there's work to be done. It's not going to be done overnight. It is a process. It is a dual process. There's an aspect of removal, of forgiveness, of removing what never belonged. And if you haven't engaged in the forgiveness process yet, we invite you to go to our website, www.whyagain.org. And there's a bullseye in the middle of the page. You might have to scroll down a little bit. Click on the bullseye, it'll open a whole series of links. Here's how you do forgiveness. Here's how you, how you start to remove from your generations, from the causes in your mind, those hostilities and fears that have you painting three-year-olds drawings of Etch-a-Sketch type pictures on the inside of your eyeballs and thinking you're actually looking at the world. As you do your work, you will come out of the desert. And as you come out of the desert, you will become one who can reach and support others in coming out of the desert and out of the insanity of the hostility and fear-based mind. Perception is the light or the guide for your earthly life. Keep your lights on. Keep your perception filled with the active presence of love. The other half of the practice, besides forgiveness, removal of those things based in hostility or fear, is a practice of bringing conscious, active, present love into the space of your own body, into the space of your relationships, into the space of your bank account, into the space of your workplace. And as you bring that into expression, you make a shift out of Pharaoh's captivity through the desert and to the other side of the plain where everything you look at you're able to see the truth behind its appearance you're able to hold fast to the active presence of love and support the healing of insanity the healing of insanity means the restoration of human life to human form and that's what we're here to support. And we're delighted and honored that you're here to do it with us. And uh, Jeannie, is Dr. Tim out there? He is. And he's on. Well, let's say hello to the young man. See what's exciting. You with us, Tim? Are you talking to the mute hand? 
Well, it actually looks like he dropped off. Let me see if he dialed back in. Oh. Um, I do not see him, so I guess he's not with us. But we do have a caller. Oh, well, let's say hello to our caller, and if Tim comes on, we'll say hello with, to him after we finish with our caller. Okay, it's Eric Code 207. You're on the air. Who do we have and where are you calling from? Hey, Dr. Wright and Jeannie. This is the captain in Fort Lauderdale. Well, hey there, young are man. You? How are you? I'm we are blessed and highly favored. I am too. I am too. Good. Well, What's exciting? What's happening in your world? Oh, it's just a little topsy turvy sometimes. But oh, I'm I'm I know too. how that goes. I'm on here too. Like my other well, mate, hey, my young lady, welcome. Well. Mrs. Casey's here. <laughs> so, we were contemplating something, and we wanted Double to know that when it, comes to, when it comes to triggers, okay, and I know that I'm fixing to trigger Stacy with an action I'm fixing to commit, and I can do it with a BB gun, or I can load up three or four double-barrel shotguns. Is it, is it better? Is it better to load up the shotguns or hit her with a BB gun? Well, I would say that what I would do first is I'd set Rockma in my own mind. And then, with the most loving, gentle, respectful voice and commitment, I'd open a space for healing of myself. Because if I'm thinking I need to pick up any kind of a weapon... I'm probably projecting what I need to work on into my brain's image of her, and I'd probably be better to do a few worksheets on the condition in my own perceptual mind than to be concerned about thinking that I've even got a clue of what she needs to do. And I know that's exactly the answer you were looking for, isn't it? It is. Actually, it absolutely is. Now, yeah. now the other thing, the other thing is, is um about compassion, and sometimes, sometimes she'll tell me that it makes her feel unhappy whenever um she texts me or calls me and I don't return her calls because I'm busy doing business or talking to family and friends, and that's my gar and that's her garbage to work out. I don't and remember saying that, have I? No, you, I just said that to you, and that's what you said to me. It's my garbage to work out when I said that. I was just trying to take the burden oh, off I don't of you. So. Okay, I don't remember saying that to you, but maybe I did. Oh, yeah, this morning you said when I said I said that I felt I, when, when you you taken all day to call me back and I was inviting you for a boat ride. You said, well, you're catching up with family and friends. I said that makes me feel unhappy and sad when you do that. You said that was my garbage to deal with. Oh, I thought you were telling me I got upset when you didn't call me right away. I got it. No, You're talking I got about upset it. when okay. you were blowing me off all day. Oh. So, so is that? And, and, so, and, and, okay, go ahead, Bob. So, so I I take a breath at this point. And so, what I hear you saying, let me see if I can repeat this back accurately. What I hear your words saying is that. When Stacy doesn't return your call or your text right away, it brings up a perceptual reality in you, a construct in your mind, a projection that you're being blown off. Well, no, not not right and, away, all day. 
All day. Well, All day. Whatever the time frame. So one o'clock. I started. I started. I started at eight thirty to invite her on a boat ride to the intercoastal, and it was one o'clock. And I finally sent her a text. I'm worried about you. What's going on? Oh, I'll call you later. And then when I talked to her, oh, I was busy talking to family and friends. So I really felt like that was mm-hmm. kind of disrespectful. Yeah. So. So once again, let me just see if I can language what I'm hearing. So so when she didn't call you back after four or five hours, what that brought up for you is you're being one. The, the, the construct your mind makes out of it with it sounds like a significant amount of emotion and pain, the construct your mind makes out of that is I'm ble- being blown off and no, I'm being – I'm being disrespected and not important. Actually, actually, it was the, the feeling I had was that uh, her friends are more important to her than me, and just letting me know that she's okay and we'll talk later. I'm blowing mm-hmm. me off all morning. Okay. So it sounds like perhaps her not returning your call in a time frame that you had hoped, and that would be the goal that you might do on at least one of the worksheets, was kind of like the double-barrel shotgun that you were talking about that brought up a whole complex of feelings, thoughts, and perceptions that were painful for you. I'm pretty sure she knew when she wasn't calling me back. Yeah. I might be wrong, but you know when you didn't call me back? I missed like a minute there because I accidentally dropped my phone, but what was the question? Did you know when you weren't calling me back or texting me back that it was going to give me feelings that weren't feeling good? Did you know that? Well, based you, on my past with you, I figured it probably would trigger something in you, which, you know, is what I do. I trigger you. So to me, that is a lack of compassion, knowing that it's going to happen and still doing it. Like, so then let me so let me see if I get this now. So, So then... Over a period of four to five hours, when you don't get a call back or a text back, what that brings up for you is a lack of compassion. You're being blown off. People are more important. Other people are more important than you are, and you don't count. So, exactly. So rather than so so then rather than building the world you see, the construct, your perception out of all those old energies because I don't, you know, just listening to the energy in your voice, I don't need to know anything else about your life. If if we had never talked before, this was our first conversation, then my question to you would be, well, how does it look like your life to feel discounted, blown off, and not important? Okay. How does that look like your life? And and when I say how does that look pretty, like your life, I mean up, pretty, pretty before up. you ever met Stacy, before you ever met Stacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty high up. So you knew all those feelings and thoughts before you ever met her, first order business. Yeah. Now, that is just based on your language. If I'd never spoken to you before, and then having done some process work with you and spoken with you before, how does it look like your your life? to put yourself down and feel like you're unworthy of Stacy's attention. It looks it, it looks like like it is. I mean, it, it look, that's what it looks like. I I totally feel that way. So then so then if you were in my shoes being asked the question you've asked, 
what would your answer to yourself be? To work on my self-love. Yeah. And my confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And how much I matter and how people care or don't care about me, how I put myself down, and how easy it is for me to perceive that others are putting me down. So so the, the first order of business I would offer would be, you know, from your side of the fence, would be to, before you start talking to Stacy about what her problem is and what she needs to do, the first well, order of business would be to get... Go stay, stay, stay with me. So before you say anything to Stacy, my input would be that what you want to do is you want to dissolve or forgive the possibility of seeing through those filters and see Stacy, whether she calls you back or not, through the filters of Rachma to create a construct based in love about her. And then have a conversation about, you know, not being called back in what you consider to be a timely way. Okay. That would be where I would suggest going with it. Well, well, you know, I think I did that. I just explained to her that because that, I, I focused on it, I, I processed it like you just said so, and then and then I told her that I have I have feelings that when she doesn't call me back, I told her what the feelings were, which I just told you. And then she said, well, that's your trash to deal with, not mine. Hmm. So it sounds like her response to that was different than the one you wanted. And remember that stress is composed of a difference between the way I see it and the way I want it to be. So it sounds like you wanted a certain kind of response for it from her, and she gave you a different response than you wanted. No, no. I, I, think, um, I think all I wanted was a little compassion and not... Yeah. So you wanted a different response from her? Yeah, Yeah. I did. So you wanted a different response from her? Yes, I wanted a different response from her. So what you saw was her telling you it was your trash, and what you wanted was for her to have compassion for you. Yes. So in that scenario... I feel like I've been... Go ahead, Bob. Yeah. So in that scenario... There's one thing that you're absolutely in charge of all the way through it, and that is the way you want it to be. And as you cancel the way you want it to be, which drives perception based in I'm not important, I'm dissed, I'm getting blown off, when you can cancel the goal that drives that perception, You can collapse and free yourself of that perception, and you can stand in a space of absolute, total, connected love, whether Stacy calls you back or not. Now, that doesn't mean don't address the issue of, gee, how about if we create an agreement that, you know, when I text you or you text me, we get back to each other within, you know, a certain period of time. That can still be addressed, but... I guarantee that if you address it from the place of an old reality that you knew well before you ever met Stacy of I'm not important, I I don't even believe I'm important myself, other people don't believe I'm important, I get blown off, I get dissed, I guarantee you'll get a lot better result if you come forward into that conversation and resolve that issue 
from a mind connected to love than the old mind of fear about not being good enough. Are you with me? I'm hearing a yeah, lot of noise. I'm, right here. I'm, okay. just, I'm opening the gate. I'm parking the boat. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I'm so, with you. So does that, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah See, in, in, in that scenario, Stacy has no responsibility whatsoever for the fact that Shelley disses himself and doesn't feel good enough, doesn't feel wanted, doesn't feel deserving. That hasn't got anything to do with Shelley, but she certainly has keyed into being able to bring that up for you. And I would consider that a gift because you get to process through and let go of those things. And as you let go of those things, you stand as more powerfully as a space of love. And, again, you can still have the conversation about, you know, I'd I'd like to have an agreement with you that, you know, when I text you or call you that, you know, unless there's something really urgent going on, that you get back to me within a half an hour and and I'll make the same commitment to get back to you. You can still have that conversation and you'll have a much better chance of producing that result than you will out of coming forward with the mind based in all of that pain of, uh, of not being good enough, whatever all that. It's a pretty complex dynamic that's going on. It's going to be hard to create a constructive result out of perception based in that kind of pain that you carried before you ever met Stacy. Yeah. Well, this is a very minor thing that's been going on over the last three days. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, we had had a major blowout the last three or four days. It It was catastrophic, and this is just it just seems to never end getting the triggers. The triggers never seem to go away. They never seem to end. It just seems like they're being generously thrown out so, there, knowing that this is going to be a trigger. It just seems like, here's another one. Here's another one. Oh, enjoy this yeah. one. Now that you got that one going, let's throw another one in it. Let's give you a freaking uh, yeah. a um, yeah. strawberry shortcake with another pile of strawberries. You yeah. know? So, so now, when you when you stop and recognize how it looks like your life for everybody to trigger you. Does She's the, the responsibility for being... She's the only one to trigger me. Yeah. She's the only one to trigger yeah. me because I could care less about everybody else. Yeah, well, exactly. Matter. Exactly. So so here's here's what that means, is you've let her into the part of your mind where you don't usually let people, where there's a lot of pain. And so she's wow. able to touch that pained part of you. That's why I've been trying to run from it? Yeah. Well, notice before you ever met Stacy, notice that before you ever met Stacy, you had already totally and completely run away from that pain. And everybody that could get it going for you. So you've come back to the world, you've come back you've come back to relationship and back into the space where you've opened that part of your mind. 
to come back to that and expect that it's not going to move in you doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know if you can hold the noise, but there's quite a bit of noise happening in the background. There's, there's a dog Maybe if we could just talk. Yeah. Oh, there's a, it sounds like a hang chain on, hang banging on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to put you on my phone phone without the Bluetooth. Is that better? Okay. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. So so here here would be my input. You've got a huge file with a lot of old trauma to the point where if somebody else, you know, and, I, and I'm saying this from my personal experience with you, to the point where if somebody else isn't dissing you, you do it for yourself. Well, why would somebody want to be with me? I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, so you got okay. You've got a big file there on that, right? So you've opened that yeah. file to Stacy. There's not going to be much Stacy can do that isn't going to trigger a bit because it's already open and moving. Your best mode of operation is, you know, honey, I'm in big time process and my stuff is moving. And, you know, you could probably hand me strawberry shortcake with a whole plate full of love on it. And my garbage is going to be moving. So just know that my garbage is moving and up and I've spent decades of my life anesthetizing myself and avoiding it and so I'm ready to let it move and stay committed and keep doing my process work and being responsible for what I'm feeling as I move through it. Okay. Well, Does that make sense? You know, something... Yeah, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. And the biggest thing I've lost, lost control of this last week was that she had some man come up to her room for three hours and do some kind of touching, feely work on her, and I lost control. And, and I, I processed through it. I worked through it, and I was fine with it. But then the story changed of what happened. So I, I, I just fucking went out of control. I told, I took her. I, I just lost her. I was done. I didn't want to have nothing to do with it because I felt like I was being lied to. And I used the word boot, which she can't stand. Thank you for letting me call in today. I needed a serious process. Breathe. I hear you. I'm breathing. So the first thing I'm going to invite you to do is just to to take some deep breaths. And notice that these are layers that are old and deep and painful. You know, if if you've ever read the book of Job, Job is an interesting book. Job came up with a theory about how life worked out of his experience in that book. And here's his theory, and he's absolutely true. It's actually not a theory, it's a fact. Job, in his conclusion, says, Ah, that which I feared most has come upon me. I've read Job. So so you remember him coming to that conclusion? That which I feared most has come upon me. And I'm just going to say that from, you know, from day one when we met, I think one of the first conversations we had was about fidelity in relationships. And there's a lot of trauma and a lot of fear about that. So you're going to tend to create perceptions that validate infidelity in relationships and give you the chance to work through all of that pain. Now, here's how intense it's going to be. 
knowing yourself and that you for so long you kept this totally shut away and didn't let anybody near it and now you've let somebody near it and it's starting to move job in his process things get so intense that he says god god just give me an intermission now you can tell how intense Job's process got by the length of the intermission he asked for. Do you remember what the intermission was that he asked for? One breath. Well, actually, it was time to swallow his saliva. Okay. Time to swallow his saliva. And it sounds like that intensity is upon you. Breathe and be willing, my friend. And you know what? A lot of times, the way the triggers are thrown at me so graciously, and no one... She knew when she invited that man to her room for three hours that I was going to give me grief. She did it anyhow. Didn't care about my emotions or my feelings. Or, and, 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 you know, she just wanted to say fuck it and leave. Or she used my language. Makes you want to say forget it and leave. Yeah, yeah. But I don't like now, it. I don't like it. That, I really don't appreciate the triggers. I really yeah. don't appreciate the graciousness of the triggers. Yeah, yeah. So take a big breath. Take a big breath. And notice that. You've had conversations with me about you don't understand why she even bothers with you. Now she can have some stud come to her room and touch her body and feel 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 good. The shit don't yeah. well, stop talk fake anyhow. Yeah. Great yeah. So, so 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 I'm going to invite you in the context of what you're saying right now to remember that what you're looking at is a perception based in hostility or fear, and it's like a three-year-old's etch-a-sketch drawing of the Mona Lisa. It probably doesn't have much to do with the actuality of the events. But it sure does have to do. It sure does have to do. It sure does have to do with your projection of pain into it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm over it, so I think about it again, and, and, and it just pisses me off all over yeah. again. Yeah. Well, but notice the denial. Remember, take a breath. Take a breath. Take a breath. Take, take a breath and stay with me. Remember okay. the definition of de- remember the definition of denial. When mm-hmm. I think or speak as though something outside of me is the cause of something inside of me, I'm now in denial. When I go into denial, I dissociate from that which I most need to feel and heal. So notice that what you're telling yourself is that that event is what makes you angry. And my offering is you're totally, completely defrauding yourself. That doesn't make you angry at all. The thing that makes you anger angry is you have a whole bucket load of anger in there. And any object of attention, notice that a phone call or the lack of a phone call, somebody getting, I assume it sounds like a massage that you perceive as it's touchy-feely and sexual, that's probably totally, completely off base knowing Stacy. But notice your mind can make things up and then pretend that those things are the cause of something you were carrying long before you ever met Stacy. And so I just be careful when my mind creates those etch-a-sketch drawings 
about believing that they're actually true about who and what I'm looking at. Because here's what they're true about, first and foremost. They come from my mind. They're first and foremost true about me. And I can... Now that I've decided I'm going to do my work, you know, you, you came to that intensive and you said, Michael, I'm ready to move it through and get rid of this load I've been carrying. Well, this is what it looks like. It's not Dr. Feelgood. I don't know if you were li- – were you listening to yesterday's show? Yes. Yeah, so you heard Dr. Tim talk about some of his healing crisis and where he spent weeks in tears. Yes. You heard uh, Gail yesterday sharing what she was going through. Well, you're no different. You're not exempt from that. This is your process. Everything that you have spent decades moving away from, I mean, to to the point where, if it's okay that I share it, you you shared with me that you – you know, you left some people behind because you realized you had so much pain and trauma in you, you didn't want to hurt them or damage them. So be careful. Yeah, you know, when I'm you on lo- that road again careful. right now, I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah, so be careful, Captain, right now, that you don't lash out and do that kind of damage because you're hurting. That you take responsibility for your hurt, which is yours, which you've carried for too long, and you let yourself gently process through it, and you be gentle with those about you, especially with your perception. If you're going to err in your perception at this stage, with, with you know, as, as far into the work, into your work as you are, which is, what, two months? As far into doing yeah, your work on this level as you are, if you're going to make an error in perception... I would say make your error on the side of compassion, generosity, and love rather than on hostility, fear, and rage. Because if you let yourself go there, you're going to slide right back to where you've been previously. And you don't want to do that. You want to gently allow yourself and be gentle with those around you, recognizing the tendency to take it out on others, you want to be gentle with allowing it to surface and moving through the layers. And be careful when your mind... Be careful when your mind tells you lies. And here's what I'll offer you. I'm process on my own? I didn't say that. All these people are processing? I didn't say that. Uh, I'm being told now that you need to go process by yourself and take care of yourself because I can't help you. Yeah. Yeah. So so perhaps, and I can certainly understand it because I've observed it with people that I've worked with over the years, if somebody's in hostility or fear and they're lashing out, which my offering would be that, most of your words have been pretty strongly lashing out. There hasn't been much responsibility in it. I understand why somebody says, I'm going to back off because I can't handle this. That's why I'm suggesting that knowing yourself and your history and the tendency to lash out and the tendency to carry a big bag of pain, that's why I'm suggesting that if you err in your perception, Err on the side of generosity and compassion and gentleness. 
rather than on the side of lashing out and making it her fault. Because what's going on inside of you, you brought to the relationship. And I can understand, you know, you're a pretty big guy and you can get pretty intense. I've watched you get intense. I can understand why someone who in her past has perhaps been abused might step back and say, I can't handle this. You're going to have to do this on your own. I can't do this. I can understand that. Can you comprehend that? Uh, yeah, but, yeah, I can, I can yeah, comprehend but, that. Yeah. So, so I let yeah. go of the butt and, and step into the space of, you know, right now, my mind is not overly reliable. I realize I'm in deep, deep doo-doo. I'm in deep process. And if there's nobody else around to abuse me, I can do a pretty good job of abusing myself. I've watched you do it. So, honey, I'm going to err on the side of gentleness and respect and supportiveness and invite you to hold the space for me to get gentle enough that you do feel safe being with me when my stuff comes up. Because I realize that I've had the ability to terrorize people when my stuff comes up. That's why there's certain situations in my life where I left years ago because I didn't want to terrorize somebody. So just recognize that about yourself and, and recognize that when your mind is in hostility and fear... Your mind isn't telling you the truth. It's telling you a story, and it's taking what went on in the past and making what went on in the past true about today. And when I come forward with viciousness out of my past and what I'm doing is not true about today, people will tend to want to leave. And I just support you erring on the side of gentleness, generosity, and respect, when you find yourself in that space and creating an invitation for her to be there rather than an accusation for how it's your fault, her fault that what's going on inside of you is going on inside of you. Because it's not her fault. You came to the relationship with that. It's what you're there to heal. Just be gentle with it as it comes up. And remember to take care of her when it comes up not just yourself. But, Mike, I was over and, it. I and that's going to be a new set of skills. Say again? Huh? I, I missed you. It. Say it again. I was past it. I was over it, and then the whole story changed to what happened. So I went right <laughs> back into the processing of the same first garbage. Yeah. So, so then notice that you're not telling yourself the truth, right? No, you weren't I wasn't over it at all. The truth. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. doing the truth. Okay, well, be that as it may, whether that's accurate or not, notice that when you tell yourself you were over it, that wasn't and it accurate. Took me right back to, it took me right back to all the other times I've been lied to about the same type of incident. Right. And so Thank you. My, my input would be that you... Gently chip away at those things. Take time to swallow your saliva and recognize that when you perceive something as being a lie, that might be your mind lying to you. 
err on the side of gentleness and generosity. I understand that, but there, and, there becomes a time that you got to face reality and see the real picture of what's really going on and quit living in a dream world and say, I'm going to give you all this love, I'm going to give you all this love, and, and, and then the reality is really yeah. what it is. So, So my offering would be that Right now, the state of the process you're in, you can't tell the difference about which dream is true and which one isn't. And your dream of hostility has got you by the face. Don't act out of your dreams of hostility and pain. Okay. And and let let's let's let, let's imagine a scenario. Let's imagine that you're totally completely 100% accurate. She has lied to you. She has betrayed you. She's run around with other men. Cancel all that stuff. But let's imagine that's all true. And none of that is the cause of your pain. The cause of your pain is the fact that you have pain in you. So I'd make the first order of business rather than trying to straighten her out, straightening you out and freeing yourself of pain. Then come to this relationship if it has value to you, from a space of connected love. And if there's a problem to be addressed, you will probably be able to see it accurately and through love be able to work through it. But when your mind is in hostility, Captain, it's a liar. And it's got a whole story made up out of your content about her. And your story, frankly, isn't true. Even if she did what you said she did. Your story isn't true, except about the content of your mind. I don't don't think she did anything. Right. I don't think she did anything. It certainly brought all your pain up. It certainly brought all your pain up. And so keep working on being free of your pain would be my offer. And I'm certainly... Delighted to be here to support you, and we can continue this conversation tomorrow, but we're down to just the last 60 seconds or so. My timer's calling in my ear, so the phone's going to cut us off in less than a minute. So I I want to say that I'm here to hold the space, and I'm happy to continue this conversation tomorrow. I just invite you to recognize that your perception in hostility or fear is not true. However convincing your mind is, in hostility or fear, plugged into that, your mind is a liar. Suspect everything it tells you. Be more suspect of what your mind is telling you than you are of Stacy, and you will benefit from that. And in the meantime, I have to cut the show off because my timer, the show's going to shut down. So we appreciate you calling. We, we appreciate and cherish you guys in our lives. And everybody, we... Uh, Hold the space for you to have the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye.